Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. Well, that means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. All right, let's go. All right, so we are recording this week. Um, Max, unfortunately, couldn't make it. Um, I, I'm sure it's because he's got something else going on, but I, I'd like to think it's because he's just so blown away by Kendrick Lamar's damn that he can't get off his couch. Um, uh, I, I would, <laughs> I would put not all the money in my wallet because I just got cash today, but like some percentage <laughs> of that money. That he has not listened to. Well, you'd, I you'd place a speculative wager. I'd place a yeah, speculative would... wager that he'll never listen to it. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I. It's one of those things where I'd like to be wrong. Yeah, I, I mean, so uh, I. I don't know because that would you know I, I think he I think he uh, gets introduced to music in a in a different way than than you or I do. So I'm not I'm not That's sure true. how he would come about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a good point. So Kendrick Lamar's "Damn" is is far from the only uh, fire record that has come out in 2017, uh, but you you hit on the thing that uh, that we're going to talk about today, which is how how one gets acquainted with new music now. Uh, hopefully through your ears, but I think we're going to talk about <laughs> it a little bit differently than that. Uh, I don't know. So, I mean, there are certain aspects of, of Kendrick <laughs> that you feel, or I went and saw Julie Byrne a couple months ago, and yes. I think that the way that you get introduced to her is you actually bring those those healing crystals, be it if you have it playing on speakers or in real life, and they actually start to glow if you hold your hearing a healing crystals close to your heart during the show. Um, <laughs> it's my understanding. Um, we actually considered bringing some to the show, but uh, they're sneaky expensive, even on Amazon. So we didn't do that. What healing crystals? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, just for because they they seem to be the right thing there. I didn't see any healing crystals when I was there, but I don't know if you like if you bring them out or if you like I don't know if there are special pockets. Pe- actually, people who have healing crystals they probably put them in pouches. They're probably called pouches. Yeah, I'm I'm sure it's it's something like that. Um, but, uh, but we're, you know, so we're talking about sources of music discovery and, and, you know, I, I think when, when you're young, it tends to be something that comes from your parents. Um, I, I know that I got, you know, some of the first music that I got into was, it was like the records that my dad uh, used to play when he was in college and DJing parties. So he was a big, uh, like R and B and funk and soul guy. So it was a lot of like Marvin Gaye and earth, wind and fire. Um, and at the same time, uh, my, my grandparents, uh, my, my mom's parents lived close by and, uh, we'd spend a lot of time with them. And, um, uh, you know, uh, my mom and uncles had like rock records, like a f- that five disc live uh, Bruce Springsteen set, um, and, and like a I think Dark Side of the Moon, which I probably never actually listened to, but it was just like kind of cool knowing it was there. Um, oh my god, and uh, Queen, the News of the World album, which had We Will Rock You and We Are the Champions. Um, but then there, there comes a time where you have to start sort of discovering music for yourself. Yeah. And so like, when did you, I'm curious, when did you start to feel that tug? So I think that there, um, so I should explain, there was a moment I actually, could immediately think of today when when kind of we first discussed this i remember being in 11th grade my ap u.s history class i had a friend um still a friend 
uh, who <laughs> suggested at one point that I listen to, and I went and downloaded them on the thing called iTunes, um, Wu-Tang's 36 Chambers and uh, Nas's Illmatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember listening to those and then really being, uh, you know, blown away because I was not someone who was internet savvy. I really am just now becoming internet savvy, which seems like a ridiculous thing to say. But even even into college, like I just wasn't a good internet user. Uh, so my discovering music was really not until like 11th grade. I mean, I had an iPod before that and would download singles and everything. Yeah. But getting into starting the groove of how I listen to music now, which is a very album centric. Yeah. It wasn't until I was, uh, gosh, 16, 17 years old. Um, and you mentioned like learning, you know, getting some basis of music through your family. We weren't really a big music listening family, I don't think. I mean, I, I think there was a lot of Eagles, and uh, we, when I was, I think, 13 or something, we went to a John Mayer concert as a family, which in retrospect was kind of cool, but also very weird. I went, yeah, I went um, to a John Mayer the, concert about the same time. Yeah. Um, but you, you know, it sounds like you came from a family that listened and valued music, and not that we didn't. But if there was music that I recall, it would be like uh, the the theme for, for NPR's All Things Considered, because that was what was on when I was in the radio. The click and clack music, like that those those banjos, uh, the the car talk or whatever. And then uh, Prairie Home Companion would be on. I'm actually really happy that Prairie Home Companion, I remember being on in the car so much. But there wasn't really any you're listening to music, you know, we're listening to music. This is what we listen to, uh, kind of deal. And it's, I think, I think, I mean, I know it seems like you have that. I know Max had that, but just not a super musically inclined family. I don't think. Okay. Yeah. I very, it was very different for me. Um, as we discussed, uh, last two weeks ago, I guess, um, my, uh, my my mom's side of the family was a very musical bunch, um, you know. So I I think it was kind of a foregone conclusion that if you play music, you probably listen to it. Um, but like I re- I mean I remember going to a John Mayer concert. Uh, I think for my twelfth or thirteenth birthday. Um, that, was it the heavier things to her? It was. That's what I was saying. Okay. It was so that that I, would have been, I guess, would have been twelve, maybe. Um, I have an extra medium long sleeve tee that that uh, that I still have. Um, I haven't put it on in a while, but uh, it's. I don't know that I was quite in the uh, merch buying phase yet. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, I remember very well because their opening act was a little band called Maroon Five. Oh. Um, back when Maroon Five was like a rock band. Yeah. Which was awesome. I. I've had this run where I've gone to a lot of shows where I've really liked the opening act better than the headliner. Um, I had that when I saw the Black Keys in Charlottesville uh, with the so, Wigs opening. Uh, but yeah, so, my like, so my my sort of musical discovery journey, I guess, started before yours, and and part of that is that. Uh, you you've mentioned that you had a big shift in sort of the way you listen to music. And I guess Mm -hmm. I just mark that the first sort of the first time I started listening to things for myself, um, as where it started, even if it was still a little more like iTunes singles oriented. So like, I think I got an iPod when I was in maybe sixth grade. Um, and I had a friend from school whose whose dad was uh, a pretty cool fella. He listened to uh, you know new music. He played the guitar. That, like that was the first time I heard the Strokes. And um, uh, first think... time I heard the Strokes was like uh, <laughs> it probably fourth year of of college. Wow. I mean uh, the the first time that I listened to the Strokes and was like, oh, these are the Strokes. Right. Um, so, like, the f- one of the first bands that I remember really sort of getting into just for me was Green Day. Um, what, like, when I was in middle school, um, 
I, I sort of moved from the stuff that I knew into like pop punk. So like listen to a lot of green day and blink One Eighty Two, And, uh, I think there was at least one talent show performance of an all American reject song. Um, and oh, man, that's, that's yeah. uh, PTSD inducing. No, not at all. Well, no, for me, because I, I, I listen to them and I feel like I downloaded a fair amount of like, like when you when you would download something on iTunes because you liked them and you'd know someone so like just because I've actually apologized for this before just because you've liked Lenny Kravitz songs before does not mean you should download them or don't accidentally download Jay Z's Kingdom to Come twice. Yeah, but like I don't know that first All American Rejects album I I think is pretty good. Yeah, no, um, I think that's fair. But then, so high school, I, I think we were on the same sort of track. High school is where, uh, or, or I guess when, uh, rap and hip hop started becoming a little more apparent to me. Um, I, I can't remember the first. I mean, it might have been like Little Wayne, um, because. Drought three was, was Drought three two thousand five. I I couldn't there thereabouts. So like Drought three Carter three was hitting like when I was in high school. Carter three was two thousand eight. Really? Yes. Okay, so that places Drought three at like two thousand six two thousand seven. So yeah, so that that's like spanning my high school life. Um. So so that was, you know, one of the first rappers that I was really into. Um and then and then you go to college and then you you know you're you're around other people. Uh I mean I think for a lot of folks college is the first time that they're around large groups of people that are really different from you. Um and so that leads I think inevitably to some you know, music sharing. Um, and, and it seems from, from how I understand your, uh, your methods, your preferred methods of music discovery, like those tracks were really laid in college for you. Yeah. I I think that that that's correct. I mean, I was involved in, in a group at school. I'm, I'm looking to my right at the, uh, Kendrick, one of the Kendrick Lamar posters when he came in November of 2011 to school through for the group. And, uh, you know, Danny was on the pod one time. We were both in that and we talked about, uh, you know, ASAP Rocky and he came the, the following, I think, April. It would have been right at five years ago now is when ASAP Rocky came to to UVA. And, and I remember that just being, uh, uh, you know, really that was some, what was cool about that is with Kendrick and, and with ASAP Rocky, these are people that, you know, listening to them as they, you know, started to come up. I mean, just before section 80 came out and then Mm -hmm. when live love ASAP came out and and that was kind of section 80, at least, you know, that's something you could buy, but live love ASAP was, was a, I don't like using the word mixtape because I think it's kind of disingenuous and overused, but the idea of a project that was released for free on the internet. Yeah. Um, so, so not only is it sharing music on the internet because we were, you know, we'll get to Dropbox at some point here, but introduce it now, Dropbox being a really important medium, but, uh, you know, things like Bandcamp and, um, like in this case, Datpiff, uh, yeah, and, oh, for sure. Uh, and um, Two Dope Boys, those kind of music blogs, that was something that blew my mind. Uh-huh. It was the first time I'm like, the internet is a place that I can go and get music, and my friends will say, hey, go do this. Like, um, Acid Rap was, a, and I, is a Datpiff download. You know, yeah. I, I really remember that. Um, and so that I think is, I think was a, a very eye opening thing for me which is we can all be listening to the same music there's no like to an extent you're you're really finding stuff because this is stuff that the artists are putting out for free because they want more and more people to to hear it and see what they've done and there's there's a really great 
and be extreme as Lil B, but you can have this great turnover as I'm making more and more music and more and more people can listen to it. And then it becomes really easy to share. Be like, hey, did you see what they put online today? And you go to the blog and you see a review and a link. And it was just a, a great way to interact with music. And I think I've gotten away from that, but right. it was very important in informing some of the ways I, I look for music. Yeah. Talk, so talk a little bit more about Dropbox specifically. Talk, talk to me about uh, your, your your what you did in the fourth quarter, Doc. Uh, well, yeah, so the way Dropbox works is, especially in college, it was great. I think mine has waned now. But you get a certain number of gigabytes, and you just have folders. They're, you can structure them as you wish, but you can share those folders with people. And in turn, what, what's happened, the only thing I've ever really shared in there is you put a new album that you've got, and if you've got 10 people in there, all right, I got this new album or whatever. Maybe you got it legally, maybe you didn't. <laughs> We're not here to talk about that. That's for a different podcast. Um, but you put it in there, and then you've shared it with everyone. And, and I think it's really an extension of of the the Napster days and the Bear Share days and, and whatever else, LimeWire, whatever you used. But this is, I think, whether they inten- they didn't intend for this to happen with Dropbox, <laughs> I don't believe. They uh, did because not. Because they're because there are actual companies that share real documents on it. Um, but it is a secure way and a private way to share with, you know, your group of friends, your chosen group, music that, that you want to listen to. And it takes away some of the hassles of you having to try to find it yourself. If someone points it out, they can just say, hey, yeah, I dropped the new X album or, or check out the single that I put in there. And it's it. It's something that I actually still use to connect with people. Um, there was kind of a funny occurrence uh, some number of months back where someone dropped an album, and then this this guy uh, actually I'll, I'll read the note because it, it's a cool note um, from a from a friend of the group I was talking about, um, and he left a note and he says. Uh, referring to the Dropbox, who is still using this thing? I know that streaming has destroyed the peer-to-peer world from the majority of people, <laughs> but a big thank you to whoever uploaded the Frank album. So <laughs> there's still something really like beautiful about that. that Absolutely. This is a forum where we thought, hey, I have this group of friends. I want to share this with them. Uh, and it's, you know, not to get too poetic, but let's go down that road. Um, music is is really something that you can share with people without absolutely saying like listen to this there's there's almost this trust especially with something like dropbox which is here's my little group of people and i think we'll all enjoy this and you trust that if something is in the dropbox you should probably listen to it um and you know in that sense uh with with all my music be it the person who told me to listen to nas or the instance of you know you know, these Dropbox folders, it's, these are people whose musical tastes I, I, I trust and, and don't really, don't really question. I might say afterwards, I see why you liked that, but I don't love it. Or I really like this, but I don't think you liked that track. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still, it, it's a really, it, it, for me in music, it's, there's a, there's a certain level of trust there that, that is impactful. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I have, I mean, I've certainly I've benefited from that with you. I've gotten I've certainly gotten music from you uh, that I think you know that you got via that Dropbox and via that network of friends. Yeah. Um, so I, I really you know I, I can appreciate that. I think for me, so for me in a weird way, college was actually a time when I really wasn't sort of in the mode of uh, finding new music. I don't know why. I, I really don't have a good explanation for why. Um, I, I was uh, sort of devoting a lot of energy to, uh, to uh, trying to go back through old music um, to really make sense of the music that I already owned in some form or another that I, I liked and didn't like what I had sort of grown out of what I was maybe growing into. Um, but I've been, uh, on a bit of a, I've been on a bit of a rampage lately of trying to 
to really be focused on taking in new music. And uh, since I didn't have that sort of structure, I didn't have that framework set up. Um, you know, I got a lot of re, uh, recommendations for, for music from my brother who I think has been m- more sort of consistently musically curious than I have. Um, but uh, I've had two, I've had two sort of major epiphany sources. Um, one is, uh, you know all of the things that Spotify has to offer. Uh, it, you know their their discovery tools. Um, I don't know if we've ever talked about Discover Weekly before, um, but the the first like the first two months that that uh, that that offering existed, where Spotify was analyzing your listening habits, what you saved in playlists and and listened to the most often, and trying to present you with. 30 songs that might not be new releases, but are, are new to you based on the things that you like every week. And like for two yeah. straight months, it was just, it was perfect. Um, yeah, it I, bat I, a thousand. Yeah. Me. They, I, it, yeah, I'm in the same boat. I think it's kind of, um, dipped a bit and, and I don't I know why, a lot. But, but well, it, we had, it, we did discuss, uh, uh, here about the, the year in review thing and how it changed and we didn't like that. Yeah. But that's, I don't want to say anything too disparaging about Spotify because it is still a great tool to, to find music because it's for sure it's all there and it's, you can in a way do it for free and, or you do it for $10 a month. And I mean, I think that's less than, well, in college I wasn't paying for music, but uh, you know, (laughs) if you are, it's, if you're going to buy an album a month, that's already more than the $10. And right. I mean, a great example for me is, is I think that Spotify gives me more confidence to kind of go, go it alone. I still take recommendations from people, obviously, but something like Camp Cope, um, I actually, there was a, a piece written on Pitchfork um, and the way they reviewed it, because it wasn't just that they said it was good. It was the way they reviewed it. I was like, oh, okay, I'll check this out and found it on Spotify. And I have since like, had the confidence to say to other people, you should you should maybe check this out or, or whatever. So I mean, I would credit Spotify in that way, which is I'm more confident and and uh, it just pioneering in the way I listen to music now, based yeah. off of those foundations. A lot came in college that I I will go to Spotify and be like, okay, this is this is really a, a library for me that I can go and, and search around in. Yep. So and and actually that that'll help bring me around to the the specific thing about Spotify that I'm enjoying now particularly. So Discover Weekly fell off for me. Um, the release radar playlist, which is all you know, is meant to be all new releases, but curated towards your interests. Uh, never like never quite got all the way off the ground for me. Um, but I've been. You know, I, I, as we've discussed many times on this show, I'm I'm a listener of many podcasts, um, some of which are about music, and I started to notice a pattern, um, particularly when I was listening to like back episodes of the show Celebration Rock, where uh, Stephen Hyden was talking uh, mainly to this guy Ian Cohen who writes for Pitchfork. Um, about their uh, my favorite episode was them sort of recapping their lists of their favorite rock albums of the 2010s to date um mm-hmm. and and they used those lists as a springboard to sort of talk about uh other new bands that are are doing exciting new stuff and they talked about them a lot in terms of record labels and, and how um, oh, yeah, and how certain record labels cultivate specific kind of sounds, and that sort of jumped off the page to me. I was like, "This is maybe a cool way to branch out musically." And Spotify, you know, uh, record labels uh, almost—I mean, 
I won't say every record label in the world because uh, I didn't go looking for every record label in the world, but I, I sort of made notes from that podcast uh, of record labels that I was interested in sort of keeping tabs on. And almost all yeah. of them have profiles on Spotify where they make playlists of um, it, not just new releases on the label, but a lot of them also have like a here's what we're listening to at the office this week playlist, which I think is really fantastic. Um, so that's been a, a pretty big boon for me over the last, I don't know, two months. And the other thing, it has been uh, DJing at a radio station. Um, I I have a... I have a semi-regular show at at a UVA radio station here in Charlottesville. And with that, I'm on a mailing list for the WTJU rock department. And every week, <coughs> the, um, the music director hosts a sort of a listening party to, uh, to go over the new the various new releases that have been sent to the station and sort of decide um, what's going to be made available for play and what's going to be passed on. And I don't really go to those, but the next day they send out like a recap to all of the rock TJs of like what was added and why and what was passed on and why. Uh, And the idea is that they're encouraging people to play new music um and and that has been something that i've really taken to like i've been on a good run of finding new music that you know i think people listening to the radio are are enjoying but also stuff that i like too um like i don't know if i would have known that there was a new ty siegel record if i didn't get an email with an ads and passes list um, <clears throat> I might not have heard of, um, I, I mean, I, I'm, so I'm doing a show tonight. I might not have heard of like strand of Oaks. I might not have ever heard of them. Um, if not for doing this. So that, that's been the other, um, that's sort of been the other Avenue in 20, uh, 2017. God. Uh, where that's been really sort of positive for me in terms of finding new music. Yeah, I I think that, I mean, you kind of mentioned it much earlier, and and we've talked about kind of technology facilitated stuff, but in a I think in some ways an older school sense. Um, and I think back to it to you know mentioned ASAP Rocky, Kendrick Lamar, uh, and, and Chance the Rapper as well. Uh, if you're listening to a song and you hear not their voice and you're like, huh, that, that I kind of like that. Find out who that person is. Yeah. That has led me to people like ASAP Ferg and Schoolboy Q and, uh, you know, uh, no name, formerly no name gypsy now just no name who I went and saw at a tiny desk concert a little bit back. If they're working with artists you like and they do songs with those artists that you love, like there you go it's right there and one of my favorite bands right now and you know one of my favorite people in the world francis quinlan is part of uh hop along that i saw as in just no one i didn't know who they were no one i was with knew who they were um but hop along was an opener for modest mouse which is one of my all-time favorite bands and now i've gone and seen hop along three times and I would go and see them a fourth time over the summer, but they're opening for Connor Oberst, and I categorically rule that out because Connor Oberst is not getting forty dollars from me. I refuse this. <laughs> Unless I can go, I'll be like, I'll go, I'll pay forty dollars, but I'm handing it to Francis. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, the, the point is, is like you, you mentioned openers earlier, and sometimes they're really cool because you know, they, they assume that not that many people are listening to them or whatever, or you've got one chance on a feature and some of the energy that comes out in that always, always draws me in. Yeah. Um, so are you, uh, 
so here's the thing that I've done. I want to I want to maybe move on to some actual music that we've been enjoying lately. But um, do you go to many concerts where you are just not familiar with like anyone who's playing? Uh, unfamiliar with everyone? No. Uh, I did go see Vince Staples a couple weeks ago and saw Kilo Quiche open for him, but she was on a song with him. Right, uh, but you also knew you were going to Vince Staples. I'm talking like totally like I've maybe heard the name, but I'm going sight unseen. Uh, no, I almost I almost never do that because even if someone's like, "Hey, you should come to this concert," I'll they'll tell me ahead of time, and I go look at it just because just because I want to know what to expect a little bit. Well, mm-hmm. hmm, I went and saw Peter Silverman a couple weeks ago, uh, and I did listen a little bit beforehand, and I still wasn't really prepared for the ambient music and the socks and. Uh, <laughs> Was that your living room concert? Yeah. <laughs> I was I was curious because I in the fall I was kind of I went on a run of doing that of going to uh going to concerts or or at least buying there were a couple shows that I ended up not being able to make it to but um buying tickets to go see people on nothing more than like maybe a recommendation from one person. Um, and that led to like, I saw real estate. I've never heard. I barely even heard of real estate. Um, I'm, I'm still bummed that I fell asleep on my couch and couldn't make it to Denzel Curry. Uh, cause I think that show would have been really interesting. Um, but like, I mean, it's definitely, it's a mixed bag. Like I don't listen to real estate even after going to that show. Um, but at the same time, you know, I had functionally not ever really listened to parquet courts when I went to see them, uh, a year ago. Yeah. And I, I th- that was I a think blast. Of as, yeah. I, I kind of think of that as, um, sometimes I've listened to people, but not, not consciously. Uh, I think that, well, honestly, the first time I saw Beach House, I hadn't listened to them that much, but that was okay because they played an album that hadn't been released yet. Um, but yeah, I think there's some fun in that, and you know, a live experience. If you really get into a band at a live experience, it's that that's a really cool thing. Uh, usually for me, that that takes the form of of openers, but yeah, uh, yeah. I, there's 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 something appealing about taking a chance and then being being surprised uh, for sure. Yeah. All right, so we've talked a bunch about how how we discover new music today. I think we should uh, I think we should share the wealth and and maybe talk about a few things that we've listened to lately that we've really liked or or things that may be on the horizon that we're looking forward to. Um, I, I think we probably both have enough things to talk about to maybe run quickly through like three each. Yeah, I can I can start and do Go three because I had three on my mind. Anyways, uh, do you want to do so, three each or do you want to alternate? Uh, I'll I'll just do three because okay. thematically I think they they make sense. So I mentioned Camp Cope earlier, which is an Australian group. I'd say alternative, a little bit moody, but but very like, uh, very very rockish. And and I know if you listen to them too, uh, I, I dig them a lot. I think right about a year ago now that, that I like a lot. Another more recent item, and in America, though, though uh, you know, also got an international flair, is uh, this, it's a girl. Her name is Vagabond, not Vagabond, Vagabond. Um, and it's just really, a friend, Sunan listened to it yesterday, he says, it kind of sounds like a knockoff version of, uh, of uh, Hopalong, which... I disagreed with because in part because I believe she's playing all the instruments and there's something sweeter and lighter about it. Um, and also there's some of that, uh, it reminds me of like the internet and some earlier odd future production that's got some organs and some drum machines and it ends up being uh, just really sweet, but, but also listening to it, powerful stuff. And something that I'm looking forward to, uh, I'm a big fan of Haim. And Hell yeah. those, those wonderful, those wonderful three women are are hopefully coming up with 
coming out with a new album soon. And the thing I try to stress whenever I'm uh, talking about them to people is having seen them live, they, you know, their record, their album has a popish rock feel, but they're people who are, are rockers. And if you go to one of their shows, it's, it's a rock concert. That is what they apparently grew up on and that's what they want to do. And just the way that they play and the way that they sing and, and act and everything is is really cool and refreshing. And I can't stress enough how great it is going to their shows. Um, I think they're great in spite of Taylor Swift. Um, and I hope that that continues. <laughs> All right. So if I remember correctly, that was, uh, God, I already missed one. Vagabond, Heim, and Camp, oh, Camp Cup. Uh, all right um i mentioned kendrick lamar's damn at the top of the show um so so i won't go into that other than to say that the record is fantastic and and you should listen to it he's Um, good at the music he really is um but but i'll i'll kick my three off with uh pure comedy the new album by father john misty um I, to put it bluntly, I had many feelings about uh, Josh Tillman and his uh, lounge singer at the end of the world, Alter Ego. Um, uh, most of them were not good. Uh, and then as I was listening to uh, the various and sundry music podcasts that I listened to, um, I found myself hearing a persuasive argument, uh, that in a lot of ways, the, the way that this album sort of documents what it's like to be alive in this day and age is similar to how like Radiohead's okay computer documented what it was like to be alive during the nineties tech bubble. And Whoa. Okay, continue though. I, I'm. That's... No, go ahead. Okay. Play this no, string out. Just... Man, I should go back. I should go listen to Father John Misty because it sounds like he's transcendent, and uh, I don't know if that's normally what I get from people. But so that's a strong. I, so I don't. I don't know. I don't think that Father. I, I don't think that's the case. I don't think Father John Misty is transcendently good uh, as a musician. Uh, I think most of the time his shtick is pretty played out. I, I think it's boring. Um, but I, I think that, you know, I, I think they're not saying, I think they were not saying that pure comedy is as good as okay. Computer was, um, but just that like it, it nails sort of what it's like, you know, living in that situation. And, and so I said, ah, oh, maybe I'll give this a try. And I listened to it twice yesterday, and I, I I kind of I'm inclined to kind of agree, um, you know, hitting on, you know, it doesn't it doesn't paint us and our generation in a flattering light, um, which I'm sure surprises you greatly. Um, no, it makes sense <laughs> of the fact that Sunan actually said to me, "You would like Father John Misty." I said, "Really?" He said, "Yeah, he's a dick." Um, <laughs> I mean, I, it's hard. not wrong, that, and yeah. it's actually probably not even wrong about why you would like him. Um, but like the idea that uh, you know he he makes fun of like somebody who's who's sort of uh, afraid or, or saddened by the concept of dying because uh, how will how will he out someone on the internet as being a fake feminist? Um. And like, like, is that really what people care about now? Um, so that was that was something I found really interesting. Um, uh, another thing that's out now that I just I love, I love so much is, uh, the album "World the World's Best American Band," uh, by White Reaper. Um, it, it's just like trying to find the right trying to think of the right way to describe it um 
it the whole album is just like a one big long riff machine um so the album got a, a much higher rating from Pitchfork than I would have expected something that sounds like that too. Um, uh, they gave it an eight and, uh, oh, they said, they said loaded with more riffs than you can fit into the trunk of a Camaro. Um, but they're so, you know, we're, we're living in a time where rock music has kind of, I mean, there's no kind of, it's receded from its place of cultural dominance. It is definitely seated the throne to hip hop and, and even to, you know, uh, EDM and, and sort of like electronic infused pop music. Um, but, but the fact that, you know, despite that, that doesn't mean that there aren't people making awesome rock records now. And, and that I think is, has been a perfect example. Um, and then, Ooh, how to close it out, how to close it out. Um, I mean, j- just the, the, you know, you hit on it with the theme, you know, there was a pattern in, in the three, the three things that you chose to cite. Um, and I'll I'll follow along and just sort of encapsulate it by saying like the the trend of women in music, it like women in music are at the height of their powers right now. They're strong. Um. On top of everyone you mentioned, like Julian Baker is great. Margaret Gra- uh, Glaspie is great. Uh, Bully's album that I think came out in twenty. 15 but i discovered last year is like one of the, my favorite things that i listened to all year um and you know even outside of the sort of rock alternative indie type sphere you have no name uh who's doing unbelievable stuff and then uh i'll be a little hometown selfish and and shout out tank and the bangers um the New Orleans group that won NPR's tiny desk contest this year. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and, and I watched, I watched their sort of, uh, victory celebration, tiny desk concert at my actually tiny desk. Um, and it, it just, it was a reminder of the emotional depth but also the emotional breadth of music. Um, I, I sort of zigzagged back and forth from uh, the same sort of uh, what I, I think I called weaponized joy that I felt when I listened to Coloring Book last year. Um, yeah. And <clears throat> some sort of uh, really deep kind of nostalgia and, and, and hometown missing um, uh, there's a point where, uh, Tank, the, uh, the front woman of, of the band, uh, kind of tells a story for a while, um, about a, what, what's now a deserted, uh, Six Flags theme park in New Orleans that was, uh, abandoned after Katrina and, and you know, just sits kind of as a monument to uh, the fact that parts of the city are still, you know, are still not rebuilt and frankly will probably never be rebuilt um, to the point where I, like, I, I fought back crying at my desk, um, you know, I, and it, just, it was a reminder that, that music is just really powerful in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's what is enjoyable about it if nothing else. Yeah. Um all right. God, we've talked about this for a very long time. Um yes. if you would like to join that conversation and tell us uh when you started discovering music for yourself, uh how you find new music now or or something that you're looking forward to hearing in 2017, come find us on Facebook or Twitter at pretty okay pod. 
and we would love to discuss it with you there. Yeah, Until we'll, then, we'll link yes, some we will, of this music. I think we, so. we will indeed. Um, until then, it is time once again for Pierce is Sorry. What's on tap this week? All right. So you mentioned the radio earlier, and uh, it, it made me recall a, actually recalled it recently, uh, an instance of, you know, I, I'm someone who is, is not afraid of, of getting in an argument and, uh, and defending my, my stoop, my corner. Um, and this week I am, I am apologizing for a time when um, I was, this is rare, but I was, I was wrong, and I know that I was wrong. Um, so there was a discussion about AM versus FM radio and given, you know, I shouldn't make excuses, but when I was growing up, when I moved from somewhere close to the city to somewhere out, uh, we still listened for whatever reason, we still listened to the same FM stations, but I didn't get the AM stations as well. And I think that that got in my head. So I thought that FM stations had the longer, uh, you know, had the greater reach, as you and I both know, as people who worked at college, you currently, me previously, college uh, FM stations, um, there's a reason those are on FM stations. Uh, and I just didn't know this. So I am arguing with people and saying, no, no, it's it's FM. And then it took a while for them to be like, you're wrong and for it to stick. But I'm not apologizing because I was wrong. Of course you're not. I'm apologizing for the hubris which with I was an asshole before I realized I was wrong and still been very hesitantly, <laughs> begrudgingly indicated that I was wrong. It was unnecessary. I, I was wrong. And it, it's one of those things. You don't need to argue about it. It's, it's radio. There's, there's, a, there's a definite answer. And if anything, there was a learning moment in that as I look back on it now. It's like that was one of the first moments where you go because this I was probably like a like to think it was third year of college it might have been later but that's why google exists so you don't have to have a hubristic way of of say you know being wrong in in such a cocky way um so yeah i'm, I'm sorry for being uh you know a a, a hubris filled ass so, <laughs> that's what i have this week oh that, that that's a good one um all right well, we'll close the show with not a Vince Staples video of the week, but with a big idea from pop culture. Um, uh, we've talked about music for the last 47 minutes, uh, but I'm, I've, I've been reading again, um, as I am wont to do from time to time. Well, because um, we're pro-reading on this podcast. We are. We are indeed. And I, I recently started the book Lincoln and the Bardo, by uh, George Saunders, and I had never read anything by George Saunders before, but I I'm I'm enjoying it greatly. Um, the book sort of starts from a a true a true sequence of events, which is that uh, Abraham Lincoln's son Willie uh, died of illness at a very young age, um, and takes that and weaves it into this fascinating novel that I, I'm like, I'm still, it's still early days for me, but like it's told heavily from the perspective of this like spirit, you know, sort of spiritual transition plane that is called the Bardo. Um, I, I think that's, I think it's a, a Tibetan spiritual concept. Um, I'd ha- I'll have to talk to my friends who I met at fish concerts about. There that. you go. Um, but it's like, you know, it's like a purgatory, uh, it's sort of like a purgatory of sorts and, uh, people there, you know, the, the, the deceased are, are, are sentient in the Bardo. So like Willie Lincoln is a character, um, and there's this, there's this heart wrenching scene where, uh Abraham Lincoln uh all of a sudden everyone everyone in the borough is acutely aware that Abraham Lincoln is there um and is in Willie's sort of area his little sort of piece of real estate if you will um 
and it's like he so what's happening is that he is sort of like mourning over his son's coffin um and and Willie doesn't really realize what's going on so he like he sees his father and is you know is crying out to him you know dad I'm here and it's just like it destroy like I had to put the book down, um, <laughs> because I was trying to read it at work during lunch break. Um, but it's I mean it is it's moving stuff so far. So a a preemptive seventy five pages in hearty recommendation for Lincoln and the Bardo by George Saunders. I don't know if I'll get to it, but but that's that sounds like a ringing endorsement. Well, you gotta you have book club books to read. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I, I don't want to talk about that. It makes me upset. I I need to send an email about about the yeah. location of the yeah. book club being. Oh, well, okay. if we're not going to talk about that, then that's the end of the show. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Pretty Okay Pod. Subscribe to the show on iTunes. Uh, sound not SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, just about anywhere else where you get podcasts. Uh, please leave us ratings, reviews, comments. Uh, tell a friend about us. Um, you can also find every episode of this show on our website, prettyokpod.com. Uh, when we put up uh, the show pages, we typically link to some stuff that was mentioned. So we'll link out to... Uh, the music we talked about, uh, as well as since we talked about technology some, uh, I, I'll try to link back to the episode of the pod where we talked about uh, different ways to listen to music. Uh, we will be back again to talk about something next week, uh, possibly with a special guest. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. Thanks for listening. Bye.